Welcome to Leasing Out Loud, the podcast that is your information source for all things commercial real estate. We are your hosts, Lorraine Spindler and Lori Suba, and we're commercial real estate brokers with Scout Real Estate. We're excited that you're here and hope that you'll join us each episode as we explore the ins and outs of Calgary's commercial real estate market. You're listening to episode three of Leasing Out Loud with your hosts, Lorraine and Lori. Welcome back, everybody. I'm excited because today we have a very special guest joining us on the podcast. Sure do. Our very own Eve Renault, who is our retail expert over at Scout. And we're excited to have you on the line, Eve. Welcome. I'm really excited. I've been looking forward to this. That's great. Well, I'm excited because we're going to talk about retail and this is an interesting time for retail Eve. But before we dive too deep, I'd like to just kind of have a little chat with you about your background and maybe chat a little bit about what you have on the go these days, because I know you're a pretty busy lady. Yes, I'm even busier now since I've joined Scout, but um, <laughs> I guess my day job, uh, per se, before Scout, um, and, and still is uh, with Rencor Development, so I'm the vice president there. And uh, Rencor is a, uh, we're a family-run business, so it's actually my father's business. Mm-hmm. We've been in business for just over 30 years now. And wow. we have primarily, yeah, it's, um, you know, I've only been with Rencor for about five years. It's been really um, a great entrepreneurial experience to be working with, you know, not only my father, but a small team. So we've just developed a lot of properties in Western Canada, primarily in Calgary, but we've done work in Saskatoon. We've done work in Edmonton and around Calgary. So I have to laugh because when we're out and about with <laughs> with Eve and we'll be talking about a retail development, often she will say, "Well, we did, well, we that. did that." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say we need Eve to like name a few cuz like they're high profile. Like anyone that lives in Calgary knows some of these. So Eve, give us an idea of a few in Calgary. We've de- developed in areas that when they originally started, people are saying, "Well, these people are crazy. It's in the middle of nowhere." West Hills is uh, is a prime example of that. West Hills was actually a gravel pit that was filled up by the city lot. They actually excavated one side of the development to fill up the uh, city gravel lot that was purchased. Oh. So, so oh, that was one, and there was really no development out in the West at that point, and that was almost thirty years ago. Um, we also wow. developed- look at it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's yeah, you almost call it Central Calgary now, but we were also the first out at Royal Oak in the Northwest, yeah. and we were one of the first out at Crowfoot Crossing um, yeah. in the wow. Northwest as well, and the Boulevard just by Shaughnessy, so where the Landmark Cinemas is today. But yes. um, yeah, so we've primarily developed, financed, built, and leased all of these projects And we tend not to hang on to them too much because we do like to divest them and use the proceeds to move on to our next project. So it's a very exciting world, the development world, but I'm really proud to say that I'm part of a great family business too. 
That's awesome. Well, and you guys have some pretty exciting things in the works these days as well. Like, I know I recently saw in the news about Bingham Crossing. That's your next project underway. Is that right? Yeah, it's been a labor of love for about 13 years. Um, (laughs) There's been a lot of challenges and obstacles um, with this particular project. It's located just kitty corner from Callaway Park along Highway 1 in Springbank. And it is in Rocky View County. We actually just got approval to develop our second phase. So that'll allow us to do uh, a large format anchor. And so we're confident that we'll be in the ground this coming spring, summer of next year. That's That's awesome. Yeah. Like you said, it's having that vision as a developer to see in the future what the needs are going to be and position your asset to deliver on that, right? Like you're really able to have the foresight, as you said. As the city grows. I love it that you guys can see (laughs) the future in some ways, like the potential that's there is really, really quite cool. With what's happening in Calgary right now with the West Ring Road expansion, our timing actually couldn't be better uh, with having our asset where it is because we're going to be the first thing um, that you'll see on the way to the mountains and the last thing that you see on your way back from the mountains um, going in towards Calgary. So we're really excited. That's awesome. And I know, obviously, you've been with Rencore for the last five years, Eve, but I've known you for many, many years, and I know uh, you've got a whole lot of retail experience under your belt, you know, working for other landlords in lots of different capacities with a retail-type focus. Is that right? That's right. I guess my first job in the business was with my dad. I was actually in university and managed to get my course load on two days. And uh, my my father and mother pretty much said to me, there is no way that you are going to be living at home rent-free and not going to school uh, three times during the week. So basically, (laughs) um, that's how I got my start in the business was being an admin assistant for for my dad and really learning the fundamentals and the language that you use in commercial real estate. And that really helped me develop a love for the business. My first job, you know, actually I was working with my father for about two years. And then my father said, you know what, it's time for you to go cut your own silk at first Mm -hmm. day. Like really Mm -hmm. just go um, pound the pavement and uh, get your own experience. And that was the best thing he could have done for me. So I actually got a job out in Vancouver and I had the opportunity to work on the Metropolis at Metrotown projects. So that was uh, a that's major out there. It, it sure is. It, Anyone in Vancouver second, knows that. Yeah, it's the second largest shopping center in Canada. And wow. um, I was part of the team that combined it. It was actually two shopping centers that combined into one. So I was part of that project. And that was just a huge No simple feat there. For me. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was a lot of long hours and a lot of mall tours, um, a lot of blood, sweat and tears there. But... Um, it was a lot of fun and a huge feat um, from an engineering perspective, from a leasing perspective. And it really helped me understand tenant needs as well. We were essentially uprooting a lot of tenants, almost hundreds of tenants, to make way for this expansion project, to make this mall from two to one. And you really got to understand what those tenants were going through, what those retailers were going through, how development impacts them. You know, at the beginning, it's a lot of pain. But, Mm -hmm. you know, when you see a development materialize, it's an amazing feat. And it really gives everyone a nice boost. 
Wow. It's a long process. You have that end vision, but what a complex project from from the it beginning, was. hey? It really was. And um, I was involved primarily on the operations side. So it was really guiding the retailers through mm-hmm. the disruption of construction but also working with leasing and how to get these stores open. And that experience has taken me throughout my career. So after I was in Vancouver, I moved back to Calgary, joined uh, 20 Vic Management, which was just recently acquired by Cushman Wakefield. Right. I was in the trenches. I was working at Westbrook Mall, Marlboro Mall, and their portfolio in Edmonton and Red Deer. And that really helped me really understand that there are some troubled assets out there that need some tender, loving care, but they Mm -hmm. can be successful. So that was my big lesson there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would have been a different portfolio than Metrotown. Yeah, that's for sure. For sure. And different markets, different types of assets in different markets. Yeah, absolutely. And then once I, you know, was there for a few years, I went over to Chinook Center with Cadillac Fairview. And everyone uh, knows that. Yeah, (laughs) Chinook Center. (laughs) Were you there during that fairly significant renovation that Chinook was going through? Yes, I actually joined three days before they started the expansion project. Um, That's the new wing at Chinook. So it's about 160,000 square feet. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, And then what was really challenging about it was it was at the 10-year mark of a lot of leases. So in addition to opening about, I think it was about 60 stores in the expansion, there was about 250 leases turning over. So when a retail deal... (laughs) turns over, they either renew, mm-hmm. um, and when they renew, they they 90% of the time have to do renovation. So it was, um, you know, so it was either, yeah, it was either a renewal or they were going to leave, which that didn't happen very often, mm-hmm. or um, they had to be relocated to make way for the new expansion. So it was, uh, at the end of the day, 250 construction projects. And it was still open. Like you're still and it was still open. Operating and coordinating all of that. Wow, that's quite an undertaking. Yeah. Well, we know Huge. you know retail, and this is the question that I want to know. Obviously, this is an interesting segue in, but um, malls right now, Eve, can we talk about retail and COVID for just a little bit and like what is happening? Let's talk first malls because I have been to the mall. It's not quite the same experience that I was used to. What are your thoughts on the large format mall assets and, you know, understanding that you've got the background, obviously working with some of these, these different malls, how are they going to fare? What do they need to do to maybe position this asset for success? Well, I think what's really happening is retail is changing. Uh, I was just on a panel and the title was just awful. It was titled The Bruised and Battered Retail Market. What's next? Oh, no. oh that's terrible, I, Eve. <laughs> yeah. And it was actually our entire panel just lambasted it. And um, really what I think is retail is changing. And, you know, a lot of retailers in enclosed malls, have gone bankrupt Mm -hmm. or have closed their doors. I mean, recently you heard about Group Dynamite closing their Mm -hmm. doors. But really what's happening there is it doesn't come as a huge surprise. They are in mid-tier apparel. Mm -hmm. And even going into COVID, there were some issues with them. Uh, But Mm -hmm. I think what COVID's done is it really has highlighted weaknesses. It's exposed weaknesses. Um, So those retailers that aren't embracing the digital age, um, Mm -hmm. you know, really making the digital component of the omni-channel network part of their bricks-and-mortar strategy, they aren't really 
cutting it. They're not uh, surviving. No, no. Correct. No. Correct. Mm. And, um, you know, I think with respect to enclosed malls, the store's changing, but also the mall's changing. So mm-hmm. um, I read in an article by Deloitte that food is the new fashion, and it really is. Those are the tenants that are doing the deals these days. Interesting. Yeah, so it's really meant to... Um, there's many different types of food, and you know, you do look at Chinook Center. They have a bakery on an inline mall, which wouldn't have never happened ten years ago. But right. you're seeing that today, right. and so I think really this is a time of revamping what we have, reassessing, and it's accelerated the need to look at your um, future plans. So something that was you know in in you works know, before, yeah that you know, it didn't work before that we were thinking about doing five years from now, we're looking at doing that now. And um, it's really started to accelerate that. Well, they're going to have to try new things. I was just actually thinking about this the other day. I'm like, is it changing now to be more of an outing? And you know, you talk about Eve, the food that's becoming more and more a, a central theme that you're seeing with these enclosed mm-hmm. malls. You see even the entertainment. I know my kids, and I'm trying to remember <laughs> the name of the virtual reality uh, that's over in South Center as an example. So right. you've got virtual reality, you know, within an enclosed mall because it's becoming more of the entertainment and that sort of a thing versus, you know, going to Sears to get socks. Right? Or think of Rec Room. <laughs> Right, up, exactly. Up, up Deerfoot City, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think really what, and, and I, this doesn't go just for enclosed malls. I think because it is so easy to shop online these days, it really, shopping centers and landlords and retailers really need to make an experience or a reason for people to leave their house. So really right. gone are the days of the stores like Sears or other stores where you feel like you have to get it. Like if I want a pair of socks, I have to go to Sears. Right. Um, now really people are looking for a very knowledgeable client force. So mm-hmm. essentially the customer now is doing a lot of research at home and that is part of the purchase process. And they're doing a lot of that from home. Right. When they get to the store, they want to be able to just pick it up. They know what they're buying and they want to get out. Right. But if they have a question, there needs to be a compelling reason to get that person to the store. So a, a prime example of this is Apple. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can still buy all of their products online. But I don't know if you've been past an Apple store lately. It's still very busy. There's yes. Still, yep. There's lineups now because of COVID, but it's still always busy. Mm-hmm. And really what they've done a great job at is creating a great in-store experience, but mm-hmm. have extremely well-educated staff in the product. So they are brand ambassadors. And right. I think you can take that. I mean, that's at the retail level, but... From a landlord perspective, from the mall level, there has to be services and just ease of shopping. So, for example, it needs to be safe. Mm -hmm. It needs to be clean. But it also, I need to be able to get to my car pretty easily from that. And there's also other services like parcel pickup that really enhance that shopping experience that make it better than shopping from home. That's all great insight, Eve. Thank you. I want to ask you about fashion in particular. It's hard to incorporate, you know, experience and whatnot into fashion. But I've always thought, um, and I'm someone that's very tall. Yes. And so actually finding clothing that fits, it's tough Mm -hmm. online. And so I'm more of a person that 
needs to, to go. go in and yeah. try and be like, are these pants long enough? That kind of thing, right? Because you just never <laughs> right. know. Like, what do you see for fashion, fashion. in that sense? Like, mm-hmm. do you think that there's still going to be a place, but they're going to have to adapt in some way? Yeah. Yeah. That is an excellent question because, you know, you're just highlighting the whole reason why bricks and mortar will always exist. It's mm-hmm. just going to change. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think the last time I checked, my phone can't cut my hair for me, Um, you know, (laughs) for example. So I'm just, you know, saying with respect to getting specialty sizes, there's a lot of retailers like Nordstrom, for example, that are trying to embrace this, you know, maybe their footprint gets a little bit smaller, but what they're doing is part of the service of these stores actually don't have product in them. You actually order the product online and you would go to the store and pick it up and there would be tailoring, personal shopping and um, a lounge and perhaps a spa right there for you to enjoy the experience of going to a store as opposed to doing your entire purchase cycle there. You're only doing a component of it, but it's still adding value to it, bringing you back. I I would sign up for that. (laughs) I would. That just sounds yeah, fantastic. It, it yeah. does sound fantastic. And I think, you know, Lorraine, as you were saying, you know, you need a specialty size for your height. I think Nordstrom is well known for their very personalized service. So you could probably get on the phone with a real person, a personal shopper. They would pull some clothes from their supply chain at the store. And basically you would show up there. You haven't made a purchase yet, but you could get it tailored just to make sure that it works. Mm-hmm. And that's bringing you out of your house, getting mm-hmm. to a store. And I think they're going to yeah. be doing a great job with that. Well, that's smart. It and, really and is. And I yeah. think generalization, but there's more people than not that have a specialty size versus just being able to order online and magically everything works. Well, and you it don't never have to send does. anything back. And even when you think it should, it doesn't always fit the way that well, it varies from brand to brand, brand to brand. And, yeah. and you never really know what always. you're going to get until you get it. And then you're sometimes the return process is not always the most enjoyable. So no, yeah. no, I hear that. And just, you know, it's just good to feel the fabric as well. So mm-hmm. people usually say that the millennials mm-hmm. like to do their purchasing online much more than they do going into a store. Mm -hmm. But there still, again, needs to be that compelling reason if real estate's going to work in that way Mm -hmm. to get them out of their house and into a store. Well, I can tell you, I have a 14-year-old at home that very much enjoys going out and having the experience and getting the product right then on the day. And so, you know, we might see a shift even with this younger generation that like that whole experience piece of going to the mall and shopping and actually getting your products right then and uh, and, and can try of, things on. Some of that interaction, like you can't replace no. what that feels like for us, right? We're, right? we're still, we're humans. Right. There's an element to that that we love and not that nobody wants to go do that anymore. But from what I'm hearing, the real lesson is it's just going to have to be done better. Mm-hmm. But this is really just highlighting yeah. companies that weren't they weren't up to speed with things. They weren't changing with the times. Yeah, they have and to adapt. Yeah. Even in terms of bright spots in the market on the retail side, what do you think the bright spots are today? Can you talk about some of the things like certainly when you guys are looking at Bingham Crossing, are there mm-hmm. certain types of retail uses that you guys are leaning more towards in light of what's going on with COVID? Absolutely. I think there's a lot of bright points happening in retail today. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like... 
with COVID, we've gone back to basics per se. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I mean by that is it's essential retail. So again, citing the same um, report from Deloitte, non-discretionary spending is actually up between 10 and 27%. So wow. that includes grocery. People are eating at home more, especially mm-hmm. during lockdown. Mm-hmm. And also for those necessary needs. So shampoo, conditioner, mm-hmm. you know, floss, toothpaste. Mm-hmm. And so what, when it comes to Bingham, right now we have the luxury that there aren't a lot of competitors surrounding us. Okay. And so we are surrounded by a new residential community that have no amenities. So what we're focusing our tenant mix on is that essential retail. Mm-hmm. So medical, dental, banks, uh, quick mm-hmm. service food, coffee. You can't get a coffee in Springbank right now. You have to drive into the city. There is nowhere wow. to get a coffee. I bet they can't wait. I tell you, <laughs> yeah, constructed. Yeah, I get, and I get it all the time. Operating, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I get it. I get asked all the time. When are you bringing me a liquor store? When are you right. bringing me a grocery store? <laughs> You're right. Just the basics, Eve, because that's yeah, what people that are, hasn't are after. Away. No, it well, hasn't. What Eve's saying is that it's actually increased, mm-hmm. you know, up to 27% spending on stuff. Uh, Eve, if you could give some advice to retailers uh, in light of all the things that are going on right now, and I know we're it's a broad swath of retail, like retail can encompass lots of things, but what recommendations would you have for retailers as they're planning a move or thinking about, you know, possibly doing a renewal where they are? What's the key thing right now for folks from a retail perspective, do you think? Well, I would just say, know your value proposition and know what your business is about, especially for new businesses, because, Mm -hmm. You know, a landlord doesn't necessarily know your business. I would say, don't be afraid to share the need. Where do you want to be located? How mm-hmm. much square footage? And how much square footage is a really difficult question to answer. And so yeah. I would say just be prepared. So if you are starting a new business, mm-hmm. maybe work with a designer earlier on, mm-hmm. get your ideas on paper and get an idea of how long or how far or how big a store needs to be for it to work and then put those numbers onto paper. So you just can never be more too prepared when it comes to a lease negotiation, because that helps you in that phase. Mm -hmm. And it also helps you be an advocate for yourself. And I really think just knowing your business and knowing your needs is really important. Right. That's You're, great advice. So you great. almost can't be started too prepared. To, too prepared. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that'll just help them in the longer run. It sets further down the path. Sets you up for success for sure. Wow. Well, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Eve. This has been so fun what having you on our podcast. And we're always peppering you with lots of retail questions about what's going on and the latest retailer and are they going to be around and all of that. So it's exciting to have you on sharing your wisdom and knowledge with us and our listeners today. So thank you for taking the time to connect with us on that. Well, thank you. I had a lot of fun and I'm just so excited for you both with this podcast. Oh, thank you so much. Fantastic. And, and that's a wrap for episode three, Larray. That was a lot of fun. So great that Eve could join us. Oh, so great. A great I insight. Know. She yeah. had such great ideas. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. Join us next episode when we're going to talk mm-hmm. about the next latest and greatest thing in commercial real estate. And that happens to be 
taxes. Property taxes. Woo! Property taxes. It's going to be an exciting episode. So join us for that next conversation. And feel free to reach out to us. If you liked what you heard, have any questions for us or Eve, please reach out to us. Hello at scoutrealestate.ca. Thanks so much, everybody. 